thankful that the Lord is just uh, even in our life, in my life. Uh, I don't know where I, I probably wouldn't be here uh, if it wasn't for the Lord uh, in my younger years. Thank God. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 19. We're going to read verses, <coughs> excuse me, 11 through 27. Luke chapter 19, verses 11 through 27. And a uh, very familiar situation here. But I, I want to talk about uh, this month here. We've been talking about uh, giving and stewardship. Verse number 11 of chapter 19 of Luke. And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable. Somebody say a parable. Because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should, be, should immediately appear. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm starting to kind of think the same thing. I, Lord, just come on. Verse number 12, and he said, therefore, a certain nobleman. Now, now, remember, he's speaking a parable here, the Lord. A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom, to receive a kingdom for himself and re to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered uh, them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. And his citizens, but his citizens hated him. And sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. It came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded those servants to be called unto him to whom he had given money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Verse number 16, uh, then came the first and said, Lord, thy pound had gained 10 pounds and uh, he said unto him, Well done, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little. Uh, have thou authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said, Likewise to him, uh, behold, over five cities. Verse 20. And another come, came, saying, Lord, behold, here's thy pound which I have kept and laid up in a napkin. For I feared, verse 21, I feared thee. Because thou art an austere man, a hard man, thou takest up that thou layest not down, and repeatest that thou didst not sow, reapest what you didn't sow. And so he's, he's letting him know that I didn't do it because of you. So from verse number 11, going back up to the very, the very first verse, the, right there at the very end there, he says, and he... What? He added and he spoke a parable. I, I, I think it's important today to talk about stewardship, the things that God has placed in our life for us to be responsible for. Would you amen, be seated today? Thank you. There's uh, quite a bit here to try to tie into and uh, a couple things first. Uh, the word steward, steward. The word steward only appears once, believe it or not, in the Old Testament. One time in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 15, verse number 2. And the word steward is mostly used in the New Testament, uh, especially in the Gospels, uh, the word steward. There's a reason. Uh, now, when I say this today, I want you to understand because I think some of this will be surprising to some of you. Because when you think about Stuart, when you look up Stuart, a Stuart was either a slave or a free man 
who was given charge. Look at your neighbor and say, given charge. Given charge or responsibilities, either as a guardian of children of the family or an administrator of the affairs of the household. In other words, in charge of the business. That's what a steward was in a home. And uh, in that day, every household that had some type of wealth, I know, you know, we're living in a time today that uh, the world is so different, but every household with wealth in that day, uh, it was called status. They had a steward. They had someone in charge uh, over their children, over their property, over their affairs. Uh, Paul stated it best, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. He said this here. He said, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Now, I want you to understand what we're talking about today. God has given us charge uh, over some things. Number one, we should have charge over our families. We should have charge over our finances. We should not live beyond our means. We're living in a time when credit is readily available. It is. And some people, because of, of dire needs and, 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 and just uh, going through some things, uh, reach out for that extra help or reach out for that, that 24, 28% interest. Uh, it's not a good thing. It's really not. Because you'll never pay it back uh, the way they want you to. You'll always pay a lot more. Uh, I worked in the prison for uh, almost 25 years. And matter of fact, my dad tried to borrow some money off me yesterday. And I told him, I said, uh, it'll be the prison system, two for one. If I give you five, I get ten back. He said, keep it. He did, and then he almost made me buy. But, <laughs> but moreover, it is required. It is required in stewards. Listen, notice the wording. And I said, Paul said it best. He said it is required in students, in uh, uh, stewards, not of. It's not required of me to do something. It's required in me to be something and, and to be faithful, to be found faithful. And so he, he uses that to tell us because responsibility is a high virtue. How many agree? Having responsibility is a great virtue. What is virtue? It's high moral standards. You've got to have high moral standards today. And if you do, you are looked upon in, in some cases as being strange. Christians should not be, and understand this term, Christians should not be car salesmen. You know what I mean by that. There's nothing wrong with car salesmen except that they're in the business to get in your pocket, to make money. Uh, most, not all. There's some, there's some good ones out there. But virtue, re responsibility is a virtue. It's, 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 you've got to have that in yourself. It involves obligation. Obligation. Think about it. being a steward in those days. The person was obligated to the person whom they were taking care or taking charge of in the home or in the, in the business side of things, in taking care of the affairs. They were obligated, amen, the person to the person that they served. I'm obligated to myself to be responsible. But I'm obligated as well to be responsible to others as a steward. Think about that. 
And it's important that we understand who is it that we are serving? We're serving God. God loves people. Therefore, we're servants to God, makes us servants to people. Why? Because this gospel is to be preached all nations. We're to carry this. We're, we're to take this gospel message and, and we're to expound it. We're to pass it out. We're to share it. We're responsible for that as, as Christians. Now think about that. Now, faithfulness is closely associated with responsibility, accountability, dependability. How many would say amen? It's associated with it. It's, it's, it's part and parcel. You can't, you can't cut it out. Being faithful is associated with being dependable. If you're faithful, you're dependable. If you're faithful, you're responsible. If you're faithful, guess what? You have accountability. God has played. Listen, listen to me. I, I think we forget this sometimes because we think usually when we think about stewardship, it's always usually about money, and it is about how we conduct our personal affairs. But also, God has given us responsibility among people. I'm going to be around a certain amount of people. You're going to be around a certain amount of people. That's just part and parcel. You're going to be able to connect to people that others won't connect to. And so it's important that we understand our responsibility. Jesus uses this parable for the purpose of teaching a specific value. And how many know that when Jesus taught a parable, it was for that purpose, something specifically? And here he's talking about stewardship. He's talking about responsibility. He's talking about accountability. Now, make, make a middle note of this. Almost two-thirds of the parables that Jesus taught, two-thirds, and in our day and age, two-thirds is what? A majority. Two-thirds, the majority of the parables that Jesus taught dealt with stewardship or the proper use of money. How many knew that? It's something that he taught a lot about using parables, about money and the proper use of it. And scripturally, the term stewardship implies that there is a steward. Get it? So stewardship means that there's somebody in charge, somebody to take the responsibility, somebody to be dependent upon. It's there in the scripture, someone who is responsible. Put up verse number 13 for me, if you would. And he said these words. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about it or not. He said, occupy until I come. What, what does that say to us today? Occupy until we come. We're to stay Christ-centered. Everyday life. We're to continue on in our normal Christ-centered everyday life. We're to continue as stewards. We're to continue as being in charge, taking care of things. And how, how, many, how many want to take care of the Lord's things properly? We talk about that a lot here, about the building, about, about doing things, about keeping things up. Uh, it's for a reason. We can say God gave us this, but we also know it took a lot of work. We also, it, it took a lot of prayer. It took a lot of giving. It took some time. All those things. So the things that we have, that amen, we can say God, but we still have to maintain and take care of them. We still have to occupy until he comes. 
The Lord expects his people to continue in normal activities in our Christ-centered values while we wait for his return, simply to grow and to increase spiritually. How many believe that you're growing spiritually compared to a few months ago or last year? I mean, seriously, it's something that we should think about a lot every day. We should be growing, not going backwards. And and in some cases, there's some things that we get involved in or some things that uh, are coming to our life, issues that we just have to sometimes wait or take a stand. That's part and part, but that's normal. That's occupying until it comes. It's when we give up. It's when we say, I can't do this anymore. Anybody ever said that? (laughs) Even privately? I can't do this anymore. A lot of relationships, the clashes and things that happen, I can't do this anymore. But think about it. Spiritual growth and development, it involves what? It involves trust. It does. It involves trust. It involves consistency. We've got to show trust as stewards. We've got to be consistent in what we do. You can't come to church once in a blue moon and get people to believe in your message when you try to convey to them the Lord's soon to come. Well, you're not acting like it. The Word of God should be something deep to our heart. We should love the Word of God. Regardless of what or how, we should have a love for the Word of God. And we should be consistent in it and trust it. We're living in a day and age where people want to hear what they want to hear and not what thus saith the Lord. We want to do what we want to do and not do the will of God. Sometimes, I mean, I would be foolish to stand up here and say doing the will of God is always easy. That is just not true. Uh, it's tough. The will of God is the will of God, and anything that God, God is in is great, but it's us. It's a, in other words, to understand the will of God, if it's not playing out like I want it to with my eyes, then guess what? It'll start affecting my trust and my consistency. Make me question or make me wonder about the value and about the timing and about how everything is because it's affecting us today. That's why he said, occupy till I come. Stay strong. Stay in it. Do the, keep doing what you're doing. Now, when Jesus was using this parable of the pounds of money, he was emphasizing that very thing. He was emphasizing trust. He wasn't just talking about money itself. He wasn't just talking about time itself. He wasn't just talking about those things, those elements. He was talking about trust. Because trust is a two-way street. Look at your neighbor and say, it is a two-way street. The steward, the, the person in charge, the steward was to be trusted. And the steward had to trust the master. The one putting them in the position had to trust them as well. It's a, it was a two-way street. Trust that his master found him worthy Of his judgment. Oh, I want you to get this because this is what God wants his people to get. God has put you as a steward because he trusts you. Don't fail God. Come on. Don't let him down. He has given. Matter of fact, he's put issues in our life 
to trust us with because there's eyes and ears watching what we're going through and what we're battling to see how that we come out. Come on. In other words, how we pay the bill. Sometimes we don't pay the bill on time. Sometimes it could slip through the crack or something could happen. But, but we've got to understand, we've been put in charge by God. And to understand that the master has put you in charge. Uh, you know what? And, and I say this, and I don't say this easily. You are actually responsible for some other people. You can say, well, it ain't none of my business. You know, it ain't my thing, it ain't none of my business. And, you know, why should I care? Yeah, that's not God. That's justification of self. That's our flesh talking. Because there's a lot of thing in, things in my flesh I do not want to do. But there's things I know spiritually that's got to be done. I mean, when things happen in life, we can all, in our flesh, crawl in our recliners or crawl into bed and get in that fetal position and say, I don't want to have to face the world. That's what we might want to do. All right. It's what we sometimes feel like in our flesh. But in our spirit, we've got to rise up and say, wait a minute. The enemy is trying to gain ground. The enemy is trying to gain, gain traction in my mind and make me feel things that I know is not godly or is right. Don't raise your hand. How many thought, how many thought a crime all the way through? How you'd shoot somebody? How you'd rob a bank? I mean, you, you've, you've filmed that in your mind. You know, because you may have seen something, the guy did something stupid. He said, boy, I wouldn't have did that way. Here's what I would have done. And just you just kind of, and then you catch yourself dwelling on anything. I better leave that alone. Because we've all thought about doing something and thought it through. Oh, I'll get him. I'll show him. Probably done it more than once in our life. But here's, a, here's another thing. When you think about what Jesus is trying to show us in this parable, one, one of the other things he's showing us, he's also showing us that we need to trust in ourself to properly respond. You've got to, we've got to learn, amen, to trust in ourselves. When God puts something in your life and you feel something, you've got to learn to trust that. Devil ain't going to tell you to run around the church. Devil ain't going to tell you to let the Spirit of God have its way. Devil's going to tell you, no, you better, you know, people's going to look at you, they're going to laugh at you, they're going to mock you, they're going to say these things. That's the devil's business. And so when we feel something sometimes, we've got to say, hey, listen, you know, because that's not what I would do. That's not what's normal. It's not a part of occupying until he comes. But it is. What the church needs today is a good dose of revival. Self-revival. 
Why? Because the devil has beat you down so long and so much, has got in our ears so long and so much, we've got to have a personal revival, amen, and realize, listen, God has put trust in me. I'm his steward. It's in my charge. It's in my care. Because in this parable, look at this, the wicked servant, the wicked steward, evidently did not trust the master's judgment and failed to fulfill his expectations. Well, I took it and I hid it. The others went out and did something with it. They were rewarded. Now, that, that right there is a lesson in itself. Come on, church. Whatever you do for God, 5, 10, 15, 20, or 1, whatever you do for God is not going to be overlooked by God. No matter how small it may be, right down to the one. But when there's nothing done with it, that's the parable. That's what the Lord starts saying. I put trust in you and you failed. You failed yourself first. Think about it. And then the idea, well, you're a hard man. You take what you don't sow. You reap it. His response, that's what I've always done. Where's that come from? Because that's, listen, that's what some people think about God. We love the Lord until things don't go in our favor. And then all of a sudden, well, God, if you'd been there, if you wouldn't allowed that to happen, oh, I don't know how many people I've dealt with over the years that are mad at God because a loved one died. It's appointed unto man wants to die. We have that appointment. We just don't know the date. We don't. We're put in charge. We have a responsibility of the life that we have while we have it. I'm going to show you. Today's, today's important. The most important day of your life. I'll show you. Because time, in reality, what we possess is really not ours. There's nothing I have mine. I, I claim it to be mine. I claim that I worked for it. But it's God in the big picture that provided. You know how many times I messed up on my job and could have been fired? But God. Do you know how many times I, I almost quit my job? But God. Something, something in us, Brother Steve said, listen, you got to go to work for your family. If you want to have something, that's why I don't understand this generation. How do you think that you're never going to work or never going to do have, and then going to obtain something? You're waiting for somebody to give it to you? Nobody's going to give you a farm. Nobody's going to give you a house. I mean, you might get lucky enough to have somebody in the family, hit the lottery, do something that maybe they'll pass on to you. But the self-worth, the self-value. What does it mean? Come on. What does it mean to you? You've got to ask yourself this, not, and you can't rely on somebody. What does it mean to you to know that I, I work for this? God helped me through this because there were times I know in this journey, I know that it took God to get me up and get me going and to take care of me. Working in a prison, I know. Amen. Not just having to look back. I knew. Amen. There were times that God looked out for me when others were in trouble. God knows how to position you and put you in the right place. He knows how to take care of us. 
But we've got to understand we're the stewards and we're in charge and we have the responsibility. He has trusted us with that and we've got to trust his judgment in trusting us. That wicked servant said, hey, that ain't the way it is. Because in true reality, what we all possess is really not ours, but belongs to God. Now, there are Two things that we are accountable for. This is going to mess with some of y'all's theology. Two things that we are accountable for. We are. No getting around it. Time. Look at your neighbor and say time. And money. What you're given, what you're blessed with, you're accountable for. You're a steward. Doesn't matter whether it's one Five or ten, doesn't matter what your job consists of, amen. That's what you are, have been given charge of. What you do with that is on you. The time that we have is on us. Think about it. Each day, a fresh new supply of 24 hours. What's the old, what's the old worldly song? Yesterday. All my troubles seem so far away. It's only 24 hours. Only 24 hours. 24 hours a day. 1,440 minutes a day. 86,400 seconds. Each day is 24 hours that we've never lived before. And 24 hours that we will never again live. You can't get it back. You can only learn from it. The experience of yesterday, amen, helps us for the experience of today. If we wasted yesterday, let's not waste today. If we wasted half of those seconds or minutes, let's not waste them. We learn. From those experiences. Even the thought about Jesus as a real person. Have you thought about that? We know that Jesus is the flesh of God. God was manifest in the flesh. Now stop. Think about that. Analyze that for just a second. God who is eternal. No time no time ticker can, can trace him. Track him. No clock. No seconds, no minutes, no hours, no, no days. But think about it. When he became flesh, he became bound by time. He put himself in that situation for us. We have no excuse for time because he became the time. Oh, let that, let that process. He submitted to the boundaries of time. Spiritual. He was spiritual. He was eternal. Jesus' flesh was temporal. It's temporary. Our flesh, this flesh is just temporary. We're not going to be here forever. How many of you in here have great, great grandparents? Well, I don't know. I've never met them. Because they're old and gone. We might know some grandparents, and we might have intertwined a little bit with the great-grandparents for a little while, if we're old enough. 
but they're gone. They're gone. Now think about that. It won't be long. Hello, great-great-grandparents. We'll be gone. Oh, now I got you depressed. Imagine it's getting older by the, by the years. If you're celebrating your birthday today, guess what? You're older than you was yesterday. In fact, we all are. Whether it's my birthday or not, I'm older today than I was yesterday. Now, look, are we wiser today? I mean, we're definitely older, and we definitely have experiences from yesterday, but are we wiser? What are we doing with the time that God has given us? Are we being good stewards? Come on, are we pilfering? I mean, we can pick on people. Well, they're wasting their money, and they do this. What are we doing with what God has given us? Look at me. I mean, to some of us, we, we get this concept and we understand the oneness of God. A lot of people don't get the Godhead. They don't get the oneness of God. They don't understand speaking in tongues. They don't understand baptism. Thank God I have that knowledge today. Amen. Some don't have that yet. It's amazing. Uh, I mean, it's great. Think about it. The creator and the Lord of time. The Spirit, the Creator and the Lord of time. But as a man, he was limited by time. He had an agenda. He had a timetable. He had something that had to get done in a time period. Think about it. Now, I wrote this down because I don't agree with all this, but these so-called uh, analyzers said our life on the average of a 70-year lifespan our life consists of 13 years of education. Took me longer than that. Took me longer than that to get my diploma. No, actually, I was pretty good by the skin of my teeth, they say. Now, I'm not talking about Jethro, who was in sixth grade for six years. 13 years education. Eight years we spend in amusements. Four years in conversation, unless you're a woman. That probably doubles. I don't know if they define. Oh, I'm glad you're listening anyway. Four years of conversation we spend. Four years of 14 plus years of work. That's the one I wonder. I've been working almost all my life. Yeah. 14 years of actual work. I guess the, it's the hours on the job, back to back, added up. Three years of reading. Now, some of you is more, Sister Laura, I promise you, is probably more than that. 24 years of sleeping. What? Again, back to back. It's not, you know. 24 years of sleeping. Four, what was it? Four to five years depending on region, four to five years of transportation. For us around here, our jobs are probably a lot closer. But you get on East Coast, West Coast, some of them have to travel and sit in traffic for hours both ways. Now, listen, just, these are just some kind of funny stats to think about when it comes to stewardship, our, our life. That's why God has included the word now in the gospel message. 
Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. Look at this, because it's important. Now is the acceptable time, and now is the day of salvation. Look at it. Now, 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 now is, now is. Why is it now? You can't do nothing about yesterday, but you can take care of today. Exactly, because you're not promised tomorrow. Now, today is the day of salvation. Right now is the time to think about getting your life together. Amen. Submitting your life to God. Because God is calling you to be a servant. He's calling you to be a steward. He's putting responsibility in your life. And he's asking you, what are you going to do with it? Now. Because we can't help what we were. Oh, thank God. But we can fix and we can do the now. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm living in the now. <laughs> Think about it. He said, we're living in the now. Now is the acceptable time, and now is the day of salvation. I'm, I'm closing. When it comes to money, oh, jeez. That's where some people draw the line with God. They draw the line with the church. Brother Rick, all, I just want you to hear it from me. All the church wants is your money because you got a lot of it. It's when we come together. Listen, listen. I know we're joking and have a little fun here. How many of you believe in tipping a servant at the store or at the restaurant? How many think it's appropriate? God has not changed. And, you know, we can use the scripture. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 10% is all God asks of your tithe. 100% is what you get, 10% off the top, the first, the first fruit. Maybe we should bump that up because as you're being served more and better, look around. Give me 18. Give me 20. Is that what the Lord says? No, because a little from all of us, listen, a tenth from all of us is all God requires and what he asks for in responsibility. We don't mind giving it to somebody that fills up our, 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 our pop can, you know, our pop cup, keeps it filled up, keeps things at our table. We don't mind giving them 20%. Every once in a while, there's some that when you feel something with somebody, you maybe give them a little more because maybe you feel like there's a need there. I've felt that way. How about you? And you do something extra. Think about it. It's no different with the church, but God's the same. But yet we'll complain We'll complain about God being the same and steady and, and constant. Get, are you getting the picture? God's not done anything or will do anything that he won't ask of you that he's not doing himself. So when he wants us to be consistent, when he wants us to have the trust, then guess what? We've got to trust him and we've got to be consistent in the things that we do in the charge that he's given us. Because I promise you, he's better to you than the waitress. 
Because the waitress is in the moment. And, you know, I'm not, I love that. The waitress is in the moment, but God is eternal. God looks out for you in the night. When you get up out of bed, it's not on your own will. It's the breath. It's the strength. It's what God gives you every day. If it wasn't for God, that heart wouldn't beat. Amen. Your feet wouldn't hit the floor. Stand with me. Read Matthew chapter 19, 16 through 23 sometime. And what that story is about, that's another parable about the rich young ruler. Who, who was a, a, a church boy who had, had served God and was doing everything he was supposed to do by, by the law. By, and and, and, and asked, he asked the Lord, well, what, 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 what else can I do? He said, sell all you have and give it away. What? You asked me, I'm just telling you. Because if you trust me to give it away, I'll give it back. Luke chapter 6, given it shall be given, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. When we give, when we're good stewards, when we take of our money, not just of our time, and we do something with it, you invest it, amen, into the work of God because that's what God asks you to do. Guess what? A little together makes a whole lot. A whole lot can get done. A whole lot can be sent across to missionaries. A whole lot can take care, amen, of the facility. A whole lot can see revivals happen. A whole lot can take care of things. In the New Testament, there are 38 parables, 12 of them about money. One of every six verses in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, one of every six verses in Matthew, Mark, and Luke has to do with money. Why? Because 100% of what is received, what God gives us, comes from God. 100% comes from God. And we're the stewards of it. And we should and we must be responsible. Tell me it's not a part of God's heart to teach and to let us know. Because when it comes to monetary stewardship, there's four things, four principles in our life. How money's obtained, how money's used or dispersed, how money is contributed, and how money is saved. God don't want his people to be destitute. He don't. Look at the scripture. He blesses, he blesses his people. In fact, another parable, another, another illustration that he uses right in the church. Standing there watching people with money that should have every right and every responsibility to bring into the storehouse. And the Lord says, look at that little widow. She put in two mites. You see, it's not the amount. From her heart, all that she had. In today's term, we say, oh, my God, why would the church take the last dime of somebody? No, the church ain't taking anything. It's the heart of somebody that wants to give that God will bless. And here we are preaching and talking about that same lady. Because Jesus pointed her out amongst all. Because she had done all that she had. Here's what money can buy. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready. Money can buy a bed. Can it? Nice bed. Money can't buy rest. Money can buy food. <laughs> Money can't satisfy you. 
Money can buy luxury. We find out even watching those that have it and not be content, not be happy. Money can buy stocks, but it's not security. Money can buy a new house, but it doesn't make it a home. Money can buy a church, but not a savior. Think about that today. Lay your hand on your heart. That's, but what money cannot buy today, now, right now, God offers for free. <laughs> Come on, lay your hand on your heart. It's free. And I want you to claim it today. It's mine. It's mine. This Holy Ghost, this, this, this born-again experience, it's mine. It's free. And I'm willing today, Jesus. I'm willing today, Lord. God, thank you, Lord God, for letting me be a steward. Lord, thank you, Lord Jesus, for putting that responsibility in my life, Lord. Now let me be responsible to you, Lord, and make the decisions, Lord God, necessary, God, to be faithful, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, today for every soul here, Lord God, that you help us. Help us to be good stewards in the precious name of Jesus. We thank you for it, and we honor you with it. Amen. Amen. All right. Take a few minutes break, and we'll come back in, and amen. Have